but I think like especially with the way that I look like you know it's often that question that people they see you and they're like where are you from and they don't yeah. mean like where are you from Wolverhampton they yeah. mean like where are you from what's your like ancestral history yeah. um which can then be really frustrating because I think as someone that's kind of ethnically ambiguous there's that level of not even yourself feeling like you fit into two boxes you know I don't quite feel like fully British I don't necessarily feel like fully um Venezuelan there's that like kind of murky area there with like how do I fit in mm. and in some ways and like this is a point that I wanted to like touch on as well is that I think oftentimes like growing up and being an adult it was kind of this very sort of negative thing at times I internalized of being like oh why can't I just fit into one box mm. or like why don't I have that experience but I do think in some ways having both it meant that I was kind of memorable sometimes yeah. so like if someone heard my name it sounded a little bit different and you know my mom would always say to me you know sometimes you have to kind of grasp onto those sorts of positives that like if someone sees my name it looks a little bit different maybe they'll remember me mm. and and I know it's like you know that's like one small thing and like a lot of other ways in which like the mixed other category and names can be difficult but um that's one like positive that I've taken from it so for me I've kind of never really understood the sort of like traditional institutions of why you need to be married yeah. nowadays like maybe in the past like I could understand that more but even then it was kind of still problematic in terms of women's rights yeah. um and so that's kind of still where I stand right now it's like I don't think that I would need that per se um but in terms of like taking names I've always been like if I ever did get married and this is what I commented on the post I was like I would never take my partner's name because for me obviously it's it's equal choice right like people can make that choice if they want to and if they want to then like I'm not going to be the one to say like don't yeah. do that but for me it's kind of always been like this is my name this is like an integral fundamental part of who I am and how I identify in the world and to just then take someone else's name it would just almost feel then like it was shutting out a part of who I was. In today's episode join me in conversation with M Bailey Melendez where we discuss her decision to double barrel her surname just a few years ago as well as her experiences and reflections on the mixed other box and how her name and the use of her name is a reminder of this. We also dig into the tradition of marriage and the naming traditions around taking on your husband's name upon marriage. Names enriched with meaning are part of one's identity and hold such importance. Welcome to That's My Name. I'm Maya Mitzko, September Welford. What's your name? So my full name is Emma Brownsword Bailey Melendez. Wow, that's a long name. It's Emily. Emily. Emma. Emma. Oh my God, I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> em, I knew it was Emma. Emma Brownsword. Yes. Bailey Melendez. Yes. Tell me more about your name. So I think names are so complicated. And for me, my name just kind of encompassed my cultural heritage, the way that I identify with myself. And so, for example, like the Brownsword is my nan's maiden name. And it's one of those things when I changed my name, she was like, why didn't you change it to Rose? Because that was her mom's name. And so it was kind of like, she wasn't too happy with that. But then like the Bailey Melendez bit was my granddad's name and then my dad's surname as well. So kind of like, for me, it was a way to kind of honour both of my family histories, which I think was really important for me, especially like deciding to change my name, like 
that was why I wanted to do it, just to kind mm -hmm. of like encompass both and kind of, yeah, feel empowered by the two parts of my identity, really. I love that. And so you mentioned that you changed your name or your maybe your surnames. Can yes. You, like, tell me more about, I guess, the thought process behind that, but also like when you did that. Yeah, so it was in 2015. Um, so my name before that was kind of still as long. So it was Emma Lakshmi Bailey Melendez. So without it being double-barreled. Um, and the Lakshmi part came from my dad, who was Harry Krishna. He wanted to give me a sort of like Hindu goddess's name. Mm. So that's where Lakshmi came from. She's the goddess of wealth. So obviously I was like very happy to have that, to kind of have some hopeful like financial manifestation. Um, but I think really like in 2015, I was kind of hitting a point where my relationship with my dad had always been kind of like rocky. Like mm. we weren't entirely estranged, but like the connection there wasn't quite as strong. So for me, I kind of like made that change because I just kind of wanted to have something that kind of like fully represented who I was. And I yeah. think because my granddad had always been that, you know, like primary father figure for me all my life, um, it kind of felt like the right time to kind of, I guess, fully encompass the names that represented who I was mm -hmm. in the fullest sense of the word. And also mm -hmm. just like, I don't know, I feel like EBM then became like a nickname for me, like I have it embroidered on my bag that I got okay. in Uniqlo. So it's kind of, for me, it's not just like, it was never just like changing the name to kind of represent both. It was kind of yeah. just a full embodiment of who I was. And I think I was also 16 as well. So I felt like I'd reached a point where I was kind of an adult in making yeah. that decision. And it felt like it was my decision to make. So yeah, that was kind of like what inspired it really. And I think like 16 is a really nice, quite a milestone age universally. So it's quite, I think that there's something quite special there around mm. you making that act, like proactive decision. Because I think a lot of people, when it comes to their names, they're quite passive. They're like, mm -hmm. not, don't necessarily question it. Don't necessarily spend much time thinking yeah. about it. They're like, this is just my name and that's how it is. And mm -hmm. No, there's no, like no even consideration about potentially changing it or, yeah. or adapting it. Um, so I really like that that's like when you were 16, you kind of made that decision yeah. to to change your name and, and really link to like your identity. And you met, mentioned kind of like the both sides mm -hmm. and, and what makes you you. And I really, really like that. And I know previously when we were kind of speaking about the topic of names, you mentioned like the kind of mixed experience mm -hmm. and that mixed other kind of box tell yes. me more about that <laughs> um I think really it was just this like massive frustration whenever I'm filling out forms um I can never quite find the right box for me and there's always that mixed other yeah I totally appreciate why that would be there in the sense that you can't maybe encapsulate every single identity but yeah. I think for me it was that constant like ticking off the box and it then kind of feels like that's who you are like a mixed other person yeah. because and I think being like dual heritage it's especially more complicated because there's this British side of who I am and like you know my parents are divorced so I lived with my uh, mom who's like a single parent my grandparents were like a heavy influence so sort of British working class sort of mining steelworks background there yeah. sort of very proud of where they came from but I think like especially with the way that I look like you know it's often that question that people they see you and they're like where are you from and they don't yeah. mean like where are you from Wolverhampton they yeah. mean like where are you from what's your like ancestral history yeah. um which can then be really frustrating because I think some that's kind of ethnically ambiguous there's that level of not even yourself feeling like you fit into two boxes you know I don't quite feel like fully British I don't necessarily feel like fully 
um, Venezuelan. There's that like kind of murky area there with like how do I fit in, which mm. I think was kind of something that especially being younger was like quite challenging because you don't necessarily know or have the yeah. resources to kind of delve deeper into like who am I um which is why I think name for me is like again such an important thing because I don't know if I was upset my granny would always be like you're a Bailey so it wasn't just like I don't know a name that I wrote down or a box I was filling in it was kind of like who am I as a person in like a deeper sense mm. but um in terms of ethnicity that's always been something that I still kind of struggle with this kind yeah. of idea of fitting into whatever standards that I feel I should fit into you know yeah chemically straightening my hair at a very young age and almost feeling like I had to fit into a certain way which then as you grow up and kind of go against the grain and realize no I really want to tap into my identity it can then be even more difficult to know where to start yeah I really resonate with a lot of that like I'm half Japanese half English and definitely like growing up because I grew up in London surrounded by I mean, I wasn't around my Japanese family. It was, you know, with my white family, but with my mum, who's Japanese. And definitely, like, growing up, there was, for, like, especially in those early years, it was a lot of, like, me really trying to lean into that English side mm -hmm. and not embrace that Japanese side. And then as I've grown older and as I, you know, became an adult, I have been really exploring that Japanese side and, and really leaning in and embracing that side. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I'm like, it's so sad that yeah. I denied that mm. kind of side of me. And that's like, I'm half Japanese. Like, I'm as Japanese as I am English, yeah. like genetically. And looking back, it's just really sad that I was maybe within a society or an environment where I felt like I had to kind of yeah just lean in more to that mm. english side rather than the japanese side and it it's it sounds like some of your experiences are perhaps similar as well definitely yeah i mean like even at school like i just remember like my hair like when i'd straightened it and then it was curly and i put loads of oil in my hair and then like some of the people at my school that were sort of um white british they were sort of like emma your hair's so greasy and i'd i'd say you know like i have to put these products in my hair to look after my hair and yeah. keep it and so it's it's such a such an interwoven like nuanced experience and I think it's especially hard if you go to a school that's predominantly one ethnicity one identity because then you're trying again to like find people that look like you or identify in the same way that you do and yeah. again it's that whole feeling of like one foot in one direction and another foot in another yeah. direction which can then be so hard to sort of manage so I fully feel you with all yeah. of that and I feel like when people hear like mixed race they literally well not literally I think a lot of people are like okay you're mixed race you're half black half white mm -hmm. that's like the maybe the the stereotype or the archetype of of being mixed race mm -hmm. but actually as you say it's so much more nuanced and there's so many other kind of different ways to be mixed so for me I'm and on the application forms or the boxes right I'm mixed uh white asian mm -hmm. so i have like i guess more of a i'm able to like find that category yeah. um but then there's been other forms where i'm like oh my one's not on there oh i have to tick mix other yeah. and it is this like oh like do i not fit in in any of these exactly. others it's like, like that why is it not a box that yeah, i can for like me, tick, yeah exactly know? exactly um and when I, I think something that really opened my eyes to it is my boyfriend is fits within the mixed other box. Okay. And 
I was like, why is there not a box for mm. you? Like, why? Um, and, I, and I do think that people who have maybe just always been like, okay, I'm white and I'll just tick that box. Mm. They've never had to think about it. They've never been yeah. kind of confronted, confronted with it. And then I think it goes back to the names piece around if maybe you've never had your name mispronounced or misspelled, any of those things, you just never have had to think about it. it. Exactly. Um, I've read a book by Natalie Morris called Mixed Other. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Read it. (laughs) Okay. I actually have a spare copy, so I'm going to give it to you. Um, It's such a great book. It's like, I think I read it last year and it's, yeah, last year, and it's like one of my favourite books mm. that I've read. It's I really like that it kind of uncovers or like goes into the fact that, uh, as I mentioned before, there's no just like one mixed experience. Yeah. It can be just really, really varied and nuanced. So I really, really like it. Um, and how thinking then about your name, how do you feel like your name reflects that kind of mixed other box Mm. does it doesn't it what are your reflections um I guess just in the simplest sense of it being a kind of hybrid of both names Mm. it would fit it in that way um I haven't really reflected too deeply on it in terms of the mixed other sense but I do feel like it kind of having that double barrel is kind of shining the light on both of the sides of who I am um and in some ways and like this is a point that I wanted to like touch on as well is that I think oftentimes like growing up and being an adult it was kind of this very sort of negative thing at times I internalized of being like oh why can't I just fit into one box Mm. or like why don't I have that experience but I do think in some ways having both it meant that I was kind of memorable sometimes like if someone heard my name it sounded a little bit different and you know my mom would always say to me you know sometimes you have to kind of grasp onto those sorts of positives that like if someone sees my name it looks a little bit different maybe they'll remember me Mm. and and I know it's like you know that's like one small thing and like a lot of other ways in which like the mixed other category and names can be difficult but um that's one like positive that I've taken from it um but yeah I think it is it's something I haven't kind of fully spent as much time thinking about the sort of correlation between the two yeah yeah yeah. it makes sense it makes sense and I like how you've I guess try to find that uh, a positive kind mm. of thread to it. I think it's it's definitely important to do. And I know on LinkedIn um, and and when we met as well, you kind of introduce yourself as M rather yes. than Emma. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's kind of just a nickname, really. It was just I don't know. I think I always have like these flashbacks being a kid of being like shouted at my mom. Always <laughs> called me Emma. Um, it also just felt like a very I don't dislike my name. Okay. I really like it, but I, I just found it a little bit Emma, and it just kind of didn't ring. It didn't ring anything inside me, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So I think M for me was always what my family would call me, it's what my friends would call me. It's kind of like short and easy to say. It's kind of something that I identify with. So I feel like now I just kind of, yeah, I changed it on LinkedIn because I kind of just wanted people to refer to me in the way that I'd want to be yeah. referred to, or. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I'm very open on LinkedIn, for better yeah. or for worse. Like, I just wanted people to kind of feel like they got that personality from me from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of like a family nickname that's just kind of stuck. And I love that. Just what I prefer. Yeah, I love that. And I, I really like, definitely, like, we've only been connected for, like, a week or two. Because yeah. we met literally, <laughs> like, a week or two. Um, but I have been looking at your post, and I really mm. do love how 
it feels like you're showing up as you mm-hmm. and I feel like in a world where or in like a LinkedIn world or social media world where like I just see like people just posting the same mm. thing, the same thing. And now I've just see and I mentioned this in the workshop that I led recently with you around just people using chat GPT to like mm. generate their posts. The bane and, of my life. Oh, it's so obvious as well. Oh God, it's, people think it's not obvious. It's very obvious when it's been written by a robot. It's very, it's very clear. So yeah. obvious. Like there are two people in particular that I can think of that I know that are on my LinkedIn. And they've, it's not just been once, it's like repeatedly, like I'm seeing posts from these two people repeatedly and I'm like, let's, let's, and I <laughs> feel like I want to call them yeah. out, but I'm like, let me not embarrass you on this you part. Should. I would be here for that. I'd be all over that. I was so close to being like, chat GPT, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm tempted. I'm very, very tempted. Maybe I can like share their posts with you so you can like have a Please do. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, marriage. So, (laughs) I have, like, quite strong views around the tradition of women taking their husband's surname Mm -hmm. upon marriage. I have quite strong views around that. And I think the views have, like, got even stronger since I started this podcast two Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, And that's also led me on to, like, strong views around marriage, full stop. But let's, let's go with the names thing first. And I'm keen to hear your views on, like, what are your views around... You know, women getting married and the default in not all cultures, mm. not all traditions, but a lot of cultures and traditions, women just taking their husband's surname. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I don't want to say I'm anti-marriage, but I think, I don't know if it's just because I grew up with the background of like having divorced parents where mm, that kind of mm. like can make you a little bit more shut off to the concept of getting married with that fear of like divorce. Um, so for me, I've kind of never really understood the sort of like traditional institutions of why you need to be married nowadays like maybe in the past like I could understand that more but even then it was kind of still problematic in terms of women's rights um and so that's kind of still where I stand on it now it's like I don't think that I would need that per se um but in terms of like taking names I've always been like if I ever did get married this is what I commented on the post I was like I would never take my partner's name because for me obviously it's it's equal choice right like people can make that choice if they want to and if they want to then like I'm not going to be the one to say like don't do that but for me it's kind of always been like this is my name this is like an integral fundamental part of who I am and how I identify in the world and to just then take someone else's name it would just almost feel then like it was shutting out a part of who I was which Mm. I I think again like I have like pretty strong opinions on it from my background and Mm -hmm. just because my name is so important to who I am and how I operate in the world but yeah I'm kind of pretty against pretty against it for myself um don't really feel like I would ever want to mm-hmm. um because again it, it kind of still just makes me think of like the old traditions of like men kind of owning their yeah. wives and yeah, yeah. there being that power imbalance and I think just growing up in such a like strong female-headed like matriarchal family dynamic it yeah. just sort of goes against everything that I sort of align with So if I were to get married, then I wouldn't take my um, partner's name. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Like, 
yeah it's funny like I feel like my views towards marriage have really changed mm-hmm. over the past few years mm, I'm not sure how long like growing up I was like yeah I want to like <laughs> get married and have a big wedding and all this it's stuff so and funny now how I'm just like when you're young I think it is like all those fairy tales yes. that we hear when we're you know like Cinderella or all of these fa- I don't is Cinderella fairy tale I don't know but like childhood stories yeah all Disney these stories of like oh like the damsel in distress getting found and then by the man and then the prince he's a prince and then they get married and it's like this perfect thing we're literally fed these stories Mm -hmm. when we're literally like this small and we're just like brainwashed to believe that that's like yeah it really (laughs) is it really really is and like now i'm like i don't want that yeah like that's not for me like the other day jokingly to my boyfriend I was like are you gonna like propose to me and he was like <laughs> he was like Maya like you don't even want to get married that's like so funny. Oh, like, <laughs> like calling you yeah up. <laughs> he's like my I was like yeah true I do kind of want a ring but like maybe we can get engagement not married yeah <laughs> that was like our compromise <laughs> um but yeah like I just don't think I'm about it anymore mm. like I'm I don't know Maybe for tax, but... Yeah, I think that... And that's what kind of frustrates me. Because, like, even when I was, like, having my thoughts around it, I was like, oh, but there's so many benefits if you're married. And I was like, well... But why? That's, like, why is the system still yeah. rigged in that way? Yeah, like, yeah. why can you not choose to have your own autonomy and, like, have a partner exactly. and not be married? But then you miss out on all these, like, financial incentives. It's very frustrating. Exactly, exactly. Um, We also spoke recently around... Kind of showing up authentically, and this goes a bit back to like the LinkedIn point around showing up authentically and vulnerability on kind of social media and so on. And I know that you mentioned to me that since you've kind of started to show up as your true self Mm -hmm. online, things have kind of shifted in a positive direction for you. So share share more about that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's kind of wild. So I went through like a pretty rough breakup um, earlier in the year, Mm -hmm. and then I was looking for a job and just felt very stuck honestly and then basically set up my women in tech organization yeah Yeah, got that off the ground kind of just wanted to get started um and then i had like one hour uh of a sort of linkedin audit with someone and kind of they helped nudge me in sort of the right direction with kind of call to action and all these like buzzwords that you hear or see like a million and one people talking about personal branding blah blah yeah um and I think just with that and just kind of really feeling empowered as I like entered the tech industry I think also attending events has helped a lot because I don't know it's almost like when you start to go out intentionally and like connect with the people Mm. who's energy aligns with yours and it's like when we had the workshop and I was kind of contributing and message you afterwards it's kind of because you feel that energy and it's like you're all um just having similar thoughts and ideas and I feel like that's really helped me as well just Mm. being intentional in my approaches writing the content that I think I wish I had when I was going through the stages and being real with it as well like I'm you know don't get me wrong I think tech is a wonderful industry to be in I think a lot more steps need to be taken to diversify tech um and I think a lot more reality needs to be spoken about as well because like I don't know when I did my boot camp, for example, like I didn't get a job immediately mm. and I kind of went in with that expectation. So I think I just want to be that person that people can go to and like see the transparency, mm-hmm. the transparency on different issues. And also I think just kind of also bringing personality and humor in as well, yeah. because it's important and like it's who I am. And I just, I hated before when I'd write posts where it would just feel like 
it was super formal and it wasn't really yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's changed now with LinkedIn. I feel like a lot more people bring in their personality and you see both sides to a person as well as like being professional. So I think it's really helped me just like find my people and just feel yeah. connected, not just in like a sort of slimy networking yeah, way. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I feel like it's so important as well to like be able to show up as you mm-hmm. rather than like hide behind this like wall of I'm a professional yeah. and these are the <laughs> professional things that I these are professional words that I'm going to use I think it's just refreshing for people to show up as themselves but also and going back to the point around you know you your silver lining I guess around maybe having a different name mm. it allows you to stand out and allows people to remember you because mm. your posts are refreshing and authentic mm. and, and kind of representative of who you are so I feel yeah. like people are going to start to if they're not already going to start to kind of remember who you are and mm-hmm. you know um when they think about someone with that good personal brand they'll start to think about you thank you I hope yeah. so I mean yeah. it's just it's also like something where it's not I'm not doing it to be self-aggrandizing as well yeah. I think that's important because I feel like again yeah. you can really tell when you feel like people are doing it for themselves and yeah. like I'm not that's not my intention like people resonate then like that's kind of what I'm there for and also I think it's about like I said before doing things for others and I think when you start to find like Simon Sinek is the best person in the world but like when you start to find your why and understand that I think it can really help with knowing what to put out there um I think people want it as well people don't want to be fed these kind of like you know the top 10% of your life like the posts that do well the posts that people engage with and the content creators are the ones that are saying like you know demystifying yeah. these yeah, 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 yeah. points that we all see all the time about yeah. making money and like you know hustling and you know building your career out like no one wants to see this kind of like glossed over yeah you know image because that's not the reality it's frankly that's really not life tell me more about your tech organization yeah so basically founded it two months ago yeah that's amazing yeah it's very much I love that yeah (laughs) yeah, it's very much like my little baby balancing it on the side with work as well um kind of like was born out of my loneliness I guess like um so I said about like the breakup my ex-boyfriend was a software engineer and and so for me it was kind of like when I moved into tech got my job I didn't feel like I had that much community around me and I was finding it especially being from a non-tech background I found it very um I think like isolating just not knowing where to go yeah and there is that stigma of when you get into your job like oh do I want to admit these defeats to like a senior developer and say like yeah. I don't know yeah, yeah. this that, and the other I don't know how to you know it's just like the tech jargon and it's like the the culture around it all that you just mm. don't know because I hadn't had experience before so for me it was really just about creating a safe space for women from non-tech backgrounds to connect to meet each other also starting with like online events now because I really I adore London it's like one of my favorite cities after New York but um I just hated this idea that like London is often seen as like the only yeah. city sometimes yeah, yeah, for yeah, events. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, like having the online events was really a way to just like, hopefully as they like continue just to broaden access to different yeah. people. Um, but yeah, I was really excited to get it off the ground. And I think there are a lot of women in tech organizations out there. And for me, it's just about like, possibly having more of that niche for people that have come into tech from a non-tech background, mm, which mm-hmm. I didn't see as much of mm. it was kind of a lot of educational organizations so yeah teaching women's program but I didn't see as much for like just a community space 
that wasn't yeah. from a company already as yeah, in just yeah, yeah. a diversity group within an organization yeah. and I think that reflecting on it that is such a gap that mm. you're like filling because I think people crave community mm-hmm. they crave having meaningful interactions with each other and building those connections with each other so I think it's amazing that you've been able to start well you have started um that building that community mm-hmm. um and and again it's that pivoting piece I think it's very scary to like have a career in in one avenue and then consider pivoting and yeah. and as you said it can feel very very lonely so it's amazing and it's so great thank to hear you. about it for sure and um, thank you so much for coming on um I've really really enjoyed speaking about you I feel like we've covered a lot yes and thank <laughs> you so much for your time likewise thank you so much 